Hello and welcome to a new episode of the podcast from artist to artpreneur. In today's episode, you will get to listen to the wisdom and experience and authenticity of Kevin Walton. Kevin Walton is a beautiful example of being a successful artpreneur and how he was able to manage these two extreme worlds. He's an actor, he did his own music, he's an artist, also a spiritual leader, a transformation specialist, an activational speaker, a community creator. You see there is a bunch of artistry and entrepreneurship in there. And he shares very genuinely and transparently how he was able to balance these two extreme worlds to in the end making a good living with it. So enjoy today's episode, take pen and paper to make all the notes you need to integrate it in your own life and path. And let me know what you could take out of it for your own success as an entrepreneur. Enjoy. Welcome, dearest Kevin Walton. I smile from right to left in case you hear to the you listen to the audio because we already talked for 20 minutes and we decided to now finally jump into the official podcast interview because otherwise we probably only would have chatted without recording. So thank you for taking the time and for being here and diving into your journey as an entrepreneur. It is my honor. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Let's start. Maybe you will tell when started your either artistic journey, maybe even in childhood, or and your entrepreneur journey. So take us a little bit back of when started what, when have you discovered art or your creative sides or maybe your dreams? Like, let's go back there. I like it. Let's take it way back. Okay. So interesting enough, I, I actually both of them started uh, in my younger days. I, I, I would say I'll start with the art piece. I started with, as a kid um, in elementary school, I would write, I would draw a little bit. I created these little characters and and it started i want to say fourth or fifth grade and i started the these characters i don't remember one of their names but i know the turtle was hobbly and <laughs> there was this other guy who i don't know why his name escapes me now but i started creating these little stories of it and i would make little short stories and i did that for about a few months and then i i my attention went elsewhere i think i was getting more into sports and doing things and, and i didn't stay with that as much but one thing that did come alive in me and stayed with me was uh, poetry. I would write poems as a kid, and then that stayed with me up until becoming an adult doing spoken word, which led to me rapping, which we'll obviously get to. Yeah. And but I started off with that, and then got into acting a little bit. I, I was a part of this program in middle school called Odyssey of the Mind, or was that in elementary school too? Uh, and in that, we did a lot of creative games and stage performances and different things like that and i loved that mm. and, and then music and film i just had a fascination with as a kid you know outright not never i never i didn't learn to sing when i was a kid but i just loved music and then in middle school is when i actually wrote my first rap which i don't recall that at all either but i remember <laughs> doing that and then pretending like i could sing and then listening back and it sounding awful and a couple of my buddies, when I first wrote my first rap, were like, you know, this would be cool. And then I'll manage you and blah, blah. And that never took place. But that's when, it, that, when I started tapping into that space a little bit early on. And then also when I was in middle school, uh, I used to get candy from the, the 
I think it was a 7-Eleven down, down the street from my house. And I used to sell it at school just to make a little extra bread. And I would like double, double the price. And <laughs> I ended up doing that when I was a part of like student council. And when we had to raise money for football and sports, they would give us these candy bars we had to sell. And I would wait for everyone to sell out theirs. And then I would sell mine at like double or triple the price so I could like get some money for myself. And those were like little things that I did as a kid. So that mentality, and I think I remember my older brother doing that too. And I think that's where I initially saw that because he's two years older than me. Mm-hmm. And that was like, yeah, I did get my own money because our parents raised us to be independent thinkers. And, and we got jobs early on as kids. And even like with working right in middle school, I, I was a, they had this work program for us as kids where once you're a certain age, you could sign off on doing like gen- janitorial work. So I was a janitor of my middle school for like a year. And then also like, and even before that, I was like a caddy at a golf course and I would figure out ways to get money. And we started, I mean, I was in Colorado. So the fall we would rake leaves and make money or shovel people yeah. snow and make money. So different yeah. things like that early on yeah. was alive in me. And then, and then that writing side and, and artistic side was also kind of sparking um, little by little when I was a kid and then showed signs of it in high school, but it didn't really stay. And then it started to come back alive very much when I was in college and beyond. So, but that, those early stages, like middle school, or late elementary was where it started showing itself around. Oh, cool. But so many signs already. Yeah. So all these different artsy things and already the entrepreneur side. So you have yeah. it already there. Okay. Amazing. And then school is finished and you wanted to decide what you will do with your life or profession or how to earn money. What came then? Oh man. I, uh, so originally I thought I would, I would go to the NFL and that was an intention of mine playing football most of my life. And mm-hmm. in college, um, we had a chance to go to the pro day, but I kind of had a different change of heart when I was in college, just on some of the things that was happening with the NCAA. And, and I didn't have that same passion for it like I used to. Mm-hmm. And which sucks because I loved it. I loved playing football. I loved the game. Yeah. But I could tell something was shifting in me. And even though I missed the first couple of years out of college was, were difficult. I was like, did I make the right decision? I don't know. I got to. But I chose to stick with what I was doing. And what I what started to call to me was music. So in college, I started um, with some of my friends, we would freestyle and, 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 and just have ciphers and start to play with lyrics. And because I'd already been doing poetry and spoken word, it kind of evolved into yeah. rap. Yeah. And so then we started, I started writing raps and more in college again, and it started coming back. And so then as I got out of college and actually the degree I got at the university of New Mexico in there, they had a really awesome business program. And I got a degree in entrepreneurial studies. No. And, and I didn't even know what it was at the time when I, when I heard the word, I was like, I want to do business, but I don't want to do some basic business management. I don't want to work for somebody. I was yeah. clear on that in college. I, ref, I was, I absolutely did not want to work for somebody. It was very clear to me. And, and that was like very much alive. And so when I saw they had entrepreneurial studies and I was like, that's actually perfect. So I'll start to explore what it means to run a business and, and, and do my own thing. And when I got out of uh, college, I started getting into music and I, I worked first for a, a little small portion of time for Pole Boy, which was a record company in Florida when it, was re- when it was really small. And this is before like Rick Ross took off and then things kind of grew and learned a little bit from, from this guy who taught me a lot about the music business and then started my own label and with a couple of buddies and, and started to make our own music and sell mixtapes. And I would do that a little bit. And that, that was very much alive in me at the time. And I still had to make, I was making as much money. I mean, when I was making some money when I sell the mixtapes, but I still kind of like just 
worked with certain gigs. I did like bodyguard work and personal security sometimes through another friend of mine who they, they could use a couple of people. So he asked if I want to get on and I started doing all these little random things to make money. Um, and then did like personal training as well. Cause I was, you know, I was an athlete most of my life and fit. So I was like a way to get some, but the, the music thing was alive for me for years. And I would, I would even travel around right the country and performing and selling mixtapes and, and all of that. And then through that is actually how I got into acting where mm -hmm. I did a performance at this, uh, entertainment festival and I got off stage and a couple of people I met, they said, you know, have you ever thought about acting? I was like, yeah, because I had, you know, I'd done some of the theater stuff when I was a kid and all this stuff came back alive. So I was like, yes. Mm -hmm. And they they were like, we have a film, you know, you want to come audition. And so I auditioned and I got the lead for it. Yeah. And so after the second day of filming, it was it was alive. I, mean, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Okay. And so then through a couple other people, I met um, this really cool dude named Bashir. And he's the one I always mention when I say like to really push me further in it because he it, it, he went to school for it, studied for it, gave me books for it, and, and helped me like really learn monologues and how to play with it and perform, and really pushed me. Said you have something, dude. You got to like do this. Mm -hmm. And and so then I got other films, and actually through them, they had a really cool um, theatrical company. Him and two of his friends, and so I've done a couple plays with them that were really awesome as well. But all of that kind of really brought this out of me, this this other side of my artistry, along with the acting. And I didn't go to school for it or any formal training, but I just loved it so much that I just studied it, right? I would study like to the point where I would study director commentary, actor commentary on DVDs, and I would like study interviews and hear what people would say. And I would constantly, you know, like explore the craft. And that, all of that was very much alive in me to the point then I said, oh, well, I'm not doing anything else that's not this, where mm -hmm. I, I stopped working any other odd job. The And I was like, I want to focus on music and acting and build and then the acting started to kind of take more over from the music because more opportunities started coming and mm -hmm. and things started really growing in that arena and and I actually when I made that decision to take off I said you know I'm going all in and I had no money saved I was living out of my car for two years and I was like I'm just I'm just all in I was and and if I could tell you how liberated that felt mm -hmm. it was like I'm not attached to anything nothing's over me I don't mm -hmm. owe anyone anything and though I'm in in a space where I'm struggling it's on me like everything is in my hands to mm -hmm. to build up from mm -hmm. and so it was, it was such a liberating feeling and it just became this really dope exploration of of the art mm -hmm. and and all of that and it started to kind of build and that was a really fascinating initial journey um, that then started to unfold in really 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 epic epic ways in that sense. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Many things coming to my mind. <clears throat> One thing what I love is very early on to say like, okay, I know that I don't want to work for anyone. Yeah. So this is one thing like being dedicated and knowing exactly, no, this is what I want and this is what I don't want. And I go for it. The other one is even important also for the audience, right? It's like when you shared, I didn't study it like officially Mm -hmm. I simply dove into it and, and I was consuming everything what I could. Yeah. I think this is also super important for all the people to say like, ah, I haven't learned it. I haven't studied it. Mm, I don't have the certificate. No, <laughs> this doesn't matter. You can, right? Th that's why it's always important to hear these kind of stories to say like, ah, yeah, it is possible. Oh yeah, I deserve it. Oh yeah, I can create it and whatever. Right? Like it's Exactly. It's so it's vital. Yeah. I honestly, especially as artists to, because obviously well, I would, a, I love the nature of the platform, right? Like build understanding the 
the ability to be an artist and be able to sustain yourself, right? And yeah. and and then the recognition that any limitation is self-imposed, right? Because because even with me as a spiritual guide and transformation specialist, yeah. which that was something that was with me my, like the entire journey through all of these things, mm -hmm. and it, it slowly because as I kept tapping into the access of these insights and started to explore them that very much became a dominant portion of my life. And then it became the foundation of how I moved with everything. And it's funny because even in my music, when I listen back to old songs from de a decade or and a half ago, there's little lyrics I had in there that are key things I actually teach now. And I had no idea what was coming through me then, you know, it's like that kind of thing. And so it started to become the catalyst. And so then even when I was performing or I'm on set, I end up dropping insights or if someone's navigating something in their lives, I offer, you know, like some of the shares and wisdom and it became this other thing. And in that, I didn't have any formal training that day. I never had a formal like guru that I studied under and I didn't have um, like cert certifications for anything. It was this access I was having and my, my fascination with pattern recognition, right? Noticing human behavior or the patterns in the world and then tapping these insights that were multidimensional. And it was, it, I just had this desire of, okay, whatever I'm tapping into. And as I, as I started to come across things that reflected it to me, it was like, okay, there's something here. And that drive in, in self to say, whatever this is, I'm willing to explore it, go all in with it, be the best I can be at it because there's something that I connect with to it and passionate about it is so key. And it, it really does catch those easy, casual justifications, rationalizations as to why we aren't capable. But it's like, but that's such a, there's, there's no, well, there's a few others, but I was going to say, there's no more, more bullshit statement than that, yeah. except there are a couple of those, but still the idea that no matter what you're capable. And if you're willing to put in the time and put it, the attention and the dedication, you can, you can literally step into it to whatever degree that you desire, if you're willing to do that. And it's there, it's there for us to do that. And it's powerful. And I think my life is a testament because nothing, everything that I do now as a mm -hmm. way of life that I've built a life from that I'm very talented at and very skilled at and put in put in the necessary work to step greater into mastery with and will continue to do so obviously um because it, there's no end to where we could take, take exactly. it in mastery um, <laughs> has been this organic development through me it wasn't going to the greatest school of it or the or, or any formal training of it it was the desire to want to know what i was tapping into and to to really bring out whatever gifts i have that i can expressed through it uh come through and then and and even with that it wasn't until later even though early on in my younger days the idea of making money and, and knowing how to get it made sense when i initially got into artistry stuff from the music to acting and then to even spiritual guidance the the invitation for me was always to share and explore this creative expression and i hadn't really landed in the business side of it yet of like structure of something to sustain it and that was after a couple of years i started to make money off the acting and you know, I could hustle with my music. So I'd like make money, but I hadn't really get the business booming like that. Mm -hmm. And then it started to, to click over. And then it really landed for me structurally in three ways was when, when I started sharing a lot of the spiritual side of things and it started and bringing people together, we really started forming a community. And then, and it was a couple of years in when the energy would go up and down, whether I was there or not, that I started to realize, oh, there has to be some kind of structure to this for the energy to hold and maintain. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing with acting. It was understanding, like, I started booking a lot 
and then you'd have these windows where you weren't booking anything. I wasn't booking mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I have to navigate this whole structure of what it means to make money and save up and when things are lower, how we maintain. And it was, <laughs> so this idea of structure started coming alive. And that's where I think for me, all the things I had learned before naturally and through study started to come back online to find that, that dance of integration where they could merge, you know, in that sense, and then started to actually really build a, a business of it in a way. Yeah. I think this is also a key element or key moment for the listener is because you share, okay, you started and it, it worked, right? And you were hustling a bit of your ass off or following your passion, like both probably. And yeah. then, <laughs> but then you said it like, ah, but I, I wasn't aware that there is some entrepreneurial structure or mindset needed. What, what has it brought to you? Like what happened? Was it something on the outside? Was it a personal situation um, or what has it brought to you? Yeah, it was, it was too, twofold in that regard. It, it clicked over and it actually, it was a very specific moment of recognition. Even, mm -hmm. And even though there was a couple things that happened that built up to it, I, what I noticed was as I would make moves, I would recognize, okay, I got to get some resources in, I got to make some money so I can take care of bills and different things. And I, and things would get low. And I, I had this knack for manifesting money easily, right? I would go, okay, cool. Well, let's bring it in this way. We'll make a couple of moves, blah, blah, blah. I'll put a number in my mind. I'll make this much money within this time frame, And it would usually manifest and I would move like that. But then once I would get it, I go, cool. So things are covered for a while. Now let me just go back to full creative mode, but then full creative mode, paid no attention to the money again. So then I turn back and I'm like, oh, all that money I manifested is gone. Let me uh, go back into that again. And then I would manifest it again. And then, and I was like, okay, yes, I get it, right? I'm, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm tapped in. I know that if, if it's really necessary, I can do it. it. There's also another way that I could always have it there not have to worry about that, right? And, it, and I remember when it clicked over because it was one word and it was, I don't know, which year was this? It was like, Let's see, I started the light beings in 2012. I was acting, music was since I got out of college, 2012, 2013. I want to say it was like 20, maybe even like 2014. And, but it was, it was towards the end of the year and I go, you know, every year is a word that sticks out to me about what they, that year was and what word of what I say was missing or could have improved on. And going into the next year, which ended up becoming a very clear understanding for life, was sustainability. Mm. That word, I was sitting and I said, what's, what's the key thing for this next stage of me? And mm. I remembered I was on the beach, meditating on the stars. It was just me and myself. And, and it came through. It was like sustainability. And it was that missing piece. I go, oh, I can have money coming in all the time. <laughs> I don't have to just one quick one off and then go back to the struggle again. And it, and the moment that clicked for me, my approach to everything changed. And then, and then the way I started to understand, I said, well, if it, how, what's the necessary thing for it to be sustainable? And I said, it has to be held properly. And I go, Oh, and then that's, it just, it was just those moments, right. Where it's so obvious when you, when you remember, and I go, okay, so, and it was, for me, it's like an understanding of one of the things I teach about the masculine and feminine principle of energy and just how energy works overall, right? Energy without structure is just the chaos of creative potential. It's just there, right? Mm -hmm. Vibrate. Whenever we focus, right, we harness all that potential into something, some direction. And that was the key of it was like, there's got to be something that holds it for it to be, to build 
So as it's coming in, it's held and then gets directed properly. So then it's generating rather than just, oh, there it goes, just <laughs> pouring through the cracks again, right? And that's what, yeah, exactly. And that's what it felt like. I was, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. Cause I was, because it was fascinating. Like I was watching everything grow in my life. The, the practice was growing, people were coming. We were being invited to teach in these different spaces, go to festivals and build whole villages and a temple and teach in these festivals and offer guardianship when people are losing their minds. And it was like a dope and then offer workshops. And then, and that was growing. The impact was growing, but my money wasn't growing. And, and then my music was getting out there and people were asking me to perform more and I had to start like giving a price point, but I was also then putting on my own shows, which means it was just coming out of my pocket, right? So it was like, I was doing that. And then the acting was was like, I would get a gig here, big gig here, manifest this, and then this thing here. And then and then it was like, that was the kind of the dance for a while. And just like you showed, right? It was exactly that for years. And then when it got clear, I said, okay, I actually have to start. And, and because at the that moment prior to that, the idea of the business of it wasn't fully clear to me. Yeah. And when sustainability, that word came through, mm-hmm. it, 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 everything, everything I learned in, as an entrepreneurial studies student, everything I learned about my hustle as a kid, right? It was like everything came back on and said, you have to start thinking of it like a business. Just don't lose the, the creative spirit. Don't lose the authentic nature of it and its organicness and everything that got mm-hmm. you here. Well, just bring on that other piece and you're going to watch it flourish. And it was, it, that's exactly what started to happen. It was like the more structure I got, the bigger it got, the more opportunities came. Then I started re- re- upping my price point and more people came and it was funny. And this is a, for, for all the listeners, I want everyone to understand this is, a, this is so important when it comes to energy, right? Yeah. When I, my price point was lower when I was starting out, cause I was feeling it. I was like doing the usual promotion stuff, social media. Hey, you know, if you want sessions, blah, 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 blah. And the moment it was a couple of friends, two different friends that challenged me on like, why don't you just up your rates? And, and I was like, you know, upper it this much, but then I was like, you know what, not only that much, I'm going to even more so, right. Double, triple it. Yeah. And when I did then landed one specific client and then one other client, and then they had were word of mouth. And then I stopped promoting and got more clients in and more opportunities in because mm-hmm. the energy that I was holding in the structure mm-hmm. built up more that called in, I call it the inverse ratio of power. The more, the more power, which is life force, right? The more energy embodied, the more effortless you can manifest at an exponential capacity. Mm-hmm. But when we constrict the energy in us, right? And we're living from that scarcity and that's the energy we're moving with, it takes so much more effort to manifest the bare minimum because it's it's all from the inside out it's internal cause external effect and so for me in that understanding the moment that all this insight and access i was tapping into and the big energy i was moving with in that freedom of of i'm living from on my own too now i'm for myself and then building community the moment i put structure to it it was just like and then it got clear and then i started understanding more of the business models of it and and it was just a fascinating change and then with the acting even more so and actually a really cool full circle moment happened where um the production company i have in atlanta with three of my friends Mm -hmm. um one of my friends he was uh the director of the first independent film that i acted in Mm -hmm. 
And so then, and when we were in that project, we became close friends. Mm -hmm. And so now we own a production company in a mm -hmm. studio mm -hmm. in with his wife, who I officiated their wedding and another friend of ours. And so it's like, it was a cool full circle moment of our creative essence coming back to then running a business that's on the verge of, of breaking out. We're, we're on the edge of some really dope opportunities. So it's a really cool journey in that sense. But that word sustainability was the key for me to take a look at everything prior to so because because what stood out to me was the ups and downs of it right it was like money's in money's gone money's in money's gone money's in money's gone and it was like what is what am i missing what am i overlooking but that word sustainability to then understand the structure that can uphold it properly so energy can build and resources can build and it can stay sustainable as you continue to create and then it became an interesting exercise right to dance between keep the creativity alive because when you start doing the business there's the the little ins and outs and tediousness of things you have to manage and handle, but but now can you do that and still keep that creative spirit alive? And it became that dance, you know, all together. So huge, huge. <laughs> On point, because I was exactly thinking when you said this thing of the structure, I could feel in everyone listening who's maybe not yet a super successful entrepreneur is like, uh, this pain point <laughs> of structure. Like, uh, I don't want this, right? It's like this whole thing yeah. of, I want to be my creativity and I'm an artist and I'm in my flow. Yes, this is what we all want. <laughs> and how, and then now you said it already, like a little teaser and then started this dance. So what was your thing of um, succeeding in the dance of structure and creativity? Yeah. What is your medicine for it? <laughs> oh man, you know it's it. It came in in two ways, and one way I'll ex it, I always state this to people, and I, I think about this as I structure my schedule, is the thing to remember about flow is it is actually the relationship of fluidity and steadiness, right? A lot of times um, out here, people speak about flow as being like I just want to be in the flow, but that's if if you're in what you consider the flow and there's no consistency or steadiness to it, you're just fluid, but there's no steadiness, right? Which means you're at the whim of all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. True mastery in art, in my opinion, mm -hmm. even though that I find this to prove itself over and over again, even without my words, is the mastery of access, but that, that happens through flow and flow, accessing flow is a muscle, right? Like some people I hear, they'll go, yeah, but I just don't feel inspired, right? And it's like, and, and then I teach this in, in creatorhood in the practice. I go, think about this. Just when I hear either I have to feel inspired or I don't feel inspired or I feel bored. Mm -hmm. I always, always teach in the practice that boredom is an offshoot of fear because if we're beings who have inexhaustible life force energy pumping into us nonstop and we have the ability to live in the present moment in full wonderment, then we can always live in the curiosity of life. And what concept of the mind which now we know is a limitation could we think that it makes sense to ever utter the words i'm bored or i just don't feel inspired with so much access to the life within us and all around us right i could look at a blade of grass in the in the sunlight and go oh you know what i just really it's like it's like it's it's so there and so my for me the success came the more i embody this practice i teach which was understanding what presence actually is and to be present, my definition of it is to be fully engaged in the moment, right? Fully with everything. You feel freely, you receive freely, you give free, like it's all in you and you keep the, the reciprocation of energy flowing. And 
when when being able to tap into the flow at a moment's notice is that understanding of stay open to the possibilities in the moment and have a center right have some kind of reference point of your own center mm -hmm. that from that you can be as fluid as you want because it's held but if you're not fluid as you want you might as well just be rolling on the floor everywhere you go you know it's like but yeah. so even in our bodies when we dance or when we walk it's a relationship of, of fluidity and steadiness. Mm -hmm. And that was the key to me. And so I, when, I, um, when I would have clients and they would go, you know, I, I do my best to stay disciplined with my morning routine or this and that. And I find myself hit these edges. And I said, well, well remember the, the idea of us, if we're creative beings with this unlimited creative potential that constantly wants to be explored, which is, it does, right? Which is true. You would then have to understand the, the format. And so what I do is I would create these, these structural references. So I'd give myself a container of time and go within this time, I'll do these things for a morning ritual or an evening ritual, right? And, and then, and I'll set my schedule up in the days like this. And then in the way it's structured, it's just pockets of a focal point mm -hmm. and then the freedom of whatever aspect comes alive in that. So if I know there's certain things business-wise, priority-wise, like right now I'm, I'm teaching the next round of my, my online program called Creatorhood Initiate Training, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a space where there's got to be dedication to getting all that set up, all the email list and the right, all the things of and, and make sure all the things are scheduled to go out automatically and all that. And then there's the teaching and going over the slides, just make sure everything's set. And so there's a priority to that. And then there's and that's part of actually we'll get to discipline in a moment. I'll talk about why discipline is so important for mm -hmm. both success and freedom in the most universal sense. Mm -hmm. um, it was as long as I can have structure as long as within the structure there's room to explore and that's the, the key i think for anyone listening if you want to know if you just want to say i just want to be an artist and you think that's all you are you're not looking at life comprehensively first and foremost yeah. and you'll be an even greater artist when you understand this okay. you know what i mean yep. and that and for me that was the key to all of it and really built how everything was was got exponential was through that and i also always notice when i feel like i dropped the ball or when things hit an edge or a, or the energy stifles a little bit it's because somewhere in that i i missed that right and and, and the moment i catch it and clean it up all the energy's back on like like we never left yeah it really is that key is there has to be some kind of reference point and center of which you can constantly have a sense of direction and an openness to explore whatever else may come alive in it and it's and then from there play with whatever works best for you you know and in, in, in that sense because there's times where i'm like i feel alive to write at 11 o'clock in the day in the morning so then i'll go okay so then maybe i'll adjust my schedule and keep that and then that'll change and i'll go now i write at 5 a.m and it's okay cool then wherever things move know how to adjust because we're not prisoners we're not prisoners to time we're not prisoners to the day we're not prisoners to structure you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. keep move, just keep moving. Because that's what, that's what I can define is that inspiration is always there. But because we're always living, life is always moving, things move wherever the harmony is and the optimal ratio is always moving. And we have to keep tapping into where it's at and be willing to make the adjustment. But making the adjustment doesn't mean you lose structure. And, and always keeping structure as a reference doesn't mean you're a slave or imprisoned by it. You know? Exactly. I think this is the, the sorry for interrupting you, but this is the no, biggest okay. fear or like the biggest like, oh no, I don't want this. Is this that structure and everything around like 
putting yeah. into boxes feels so unsexy that no one wants to do it, but this is the key, but how to make it sexy, right? It's like, yeah. how can I bring it into the juice, right? Like, it yes, I, I do it. I need it. And it feels fun or more or less like it brings me further. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is funner. It is funner. Cause I think about that all the time. And you know, kids, kids are a great reflection of that because I always tell people young kids are like the, the chaos of creative potential. Right. Mm -hmm. They're sitting with all this creative energy to explore <laughs> yeah. and they will get into whatever shit that that they can if they're not guided with something. Yeah. Yeah. But the moment you guide them towards something, they'll go in it with all they got yeah. because they yeah. want that. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what I think of how life is. It, it wants that because everything about life and consciousness wants to be fully expressed. Yeah. Fully expressed. And when whenever I'm working with someone, especially as an artist, um, it's actually it's, it's such an interesting, it's a fascinating recognition about the nature of humanity at this stage which is and one of the things i teach in the practice is you're either we're either operating in duality consciousness or unity consciousness mm -hmm. right duality consciousness isn't a real thing though it's just a belief right unity consciousness is how the structure of existence works so whenever we look at something as separate and against each other we're in duality whenever we look at everything in a contrast of relationship you're in unity and whenever I find artists struggle with structure, it's because they're, they're, they're in the mindset that structure works against the creativity, not realizing that creativity is actually the relationship of both. There's the creative cultivation and the expression of it. That's yeah. structure. Yeah. And when, whenever they think it's at odds, that's where the energy gets stifled. And instead of seeing that this would enhance that, if you dance with it properly, yeah. they see it as it closes me and it becomes this, this mental prison, yeah. the idea of it, which is why people also, when they hear that word discipline, they're like, ah, <laughs> and they don't realize what it actually is. Yeah. So they think it's a prison to their creativity, but it's actually the thing that could, that could magnify it more. You know? I think Michael Beckwith had this, I don't know if it's from him, but I heard this years ago, this quote of uh, discipline leads to discipline, and I love it. I love it. Exactly. Because, you know, the way I define discipline is that it's the um, it's it's a constant dedication um, to a clear commitment. Right. Like, it's really what discipline is. I'm yeah. I'm staying consistent with my time and energy towards what I have committed to. Yeah. And and if you do that, all you're doing is building and flexing muscles of, of integrity and, con and consistency and dedicated energy. And anywhere dedicated energy is given, things build. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, and it holds. And what I found is when we, when we slip on that, mm -hmm. it's because in that moment, we are, where our focus was, was on some moment of, of instant gratification and not, not just this idea, because I hear people often say discipline is giving up inspiration for long-term fulfillment, but it's, to me, you can be fulfilled even in the, in the present moment of the instance, mm -hmm. if you're tuned in enough, right? Yep. Where it's not an instant gratification, active avoidance thing. And I find that that's the essence of, of discipline is if I wake up in the morning and there's things I said I was going to do, and maybe I wake up and I'm like, ah, but this bed is so cozy and it's cold outside <laughs> and all the, you know, the things. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I focus there, I'm now focused on the comfort of the moment, mm -hmm. not my commitment for my life or creative expression. Mm -hmm. If I stay focused on that commitment, I wake up and go, yeah, this bed is cozy and greatness is to be had. Let's go, you know, yeah. and now I'm with it. And I do that yeah. whether it's expressing my body and, and fitness training or, or all this work between the spiritual guidance and, and acting all that it's that those same mechanisms. And that's 
what makes discipline so powerful because it, it, it holds a structure for your creativity to flourish rather than work against it. But if you believe it's a prison sentence, you'll believe it works against it, but that's also a lack of creativity. You know what I mean? That's, that's where the edge of our, we, we stifle the edge of our own creativity with that. So it's such a, it's such an interesting journey to watch. And I see that happen with people who are on the other side, right? That are really heavy business. Mm-hmm. They have this inner creative, creative like thing alive in them, but they don't mm-hmm. see it as a, the thing is they don't, but what if I just focus on that? What happens to the money? And then you, and then you see what could happen when they open it up and realize, oh, now that I'm tapping my creativity, I have so much more energy and ideas for what I could do yeah. in business. And suddenly things change. And it's like, if people could understand the relationship of it rather than thinking them to be opposing forces it's a whole different ball game it's a different life experience it is and, it is. and, and it's the dopest yeah. life experience for us speaking about it it's like the only one exactly because when you share this with mm. these heady like this is so sad to see <laughs> because there's so much potential not lived and expressed and i mean seeing people tapping into their creativity or artistry or whatever, like how this lights you up, how this brings something alive in you, what is not possible with your mind or your head. Like when you talk about this version and it's like, please go there. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, 100%. exactly. Such an important thing. Uh, as we said, yeah. the only one. Um, thank you. So two more things. Mm-hmm. You shared it twice, and I think it's really, really deeply important to share, even if it's not 100% the thing from artist to entrepreneur, yet from my perspective, Mm -hmm. one of the most important work on this planet Earth is the community you created and your own work. Like, how came Sacred Suns and how came Light Beings and how came Creatorhood Training? Like, how came these things all to life? There were reasons for it. And I'm, yes, from a higher perspective, everything in this is art. And I think also because we talk about the entrepreneurial and personal development and spiritual things, it fits into the thing. And I think yeah. it's really worth mentioning this important work. I agree. And I appreciate you stating that that way because it really is, um, you know, as a species, part of our our makeup. It's not, it's not even a need. I, I, when I hear people say like, we need connection, I usually like to clear up that misconception because connection or being in connection with others isn't a need. It's actually very much a part of how existence works. You know, it's like, it's, it's, like, exactly. yeah. right? it's, like, it's, just, it's just a part of the design. Yeah. And so whenever we feel disconnected, it's because we are closing something off, not because we actually are. And so for all the things we can do as individuals, the whole purpose of life is to be fully actualized, but not just for one portion, for the whole. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought about that for my journey when, because a lot of things I did was very independent, right? Mm-hmm. And, I was, and I was raised to be that way also, just think for myself and function for myself and, and don't just go along with things or take shit at face value. And I, um, as I was on this journey, especially with the spiritual side of things, I wasn't shy about talking about it right? With the access. Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't have a full understanding of what I was seeing or hearing or tapping into, mm-hmm. I just knew that there was something to it. And I could see the issues in the world that were reflective of this not being applied. Mm-hmm. And then I, I still had to grow into what it meant to be embodied in it, you know, mm-hmm. but I was, but I wasn't shy about 
running my mouth so on good. it. So, so good. <laughs> so I would, yeah, solid ruffle feathers. And people thought it was crazy. Like I would talk about some of these things in college and people were like, that's Kevin. He's just, he's just crazy. It's fine. And, okay. <laughs> and then, right. And it was like, it was like that. And, but what was really dope with it too, is I, I, I just kept sharing. And I also had a knack of, of recognizing what felt more like the truth and what was more felt like a contradiction. And I mm -hmm. find those in different religious texts all the time. Yeah. And it's one of the things I also get brought into a lot of spiritual containers is to kind of clear up those contradictions so people can get a greater understanding of what truth actually is. Yeah. Because we all, we all have felt truth to some degree in our lives. Like there's no way around it. So I hear people say that they don't, like no one knows the truth is. I think that's one, another one of those bullshit statements. Mm. Because, because the thing with truth is, it's not an arrogant thing to say that people know the truth. It's a thing to recognize because the truth is super confronting. You know what I mean? And, and it doesn't change to fit people's narratives. It just gives it, gives it, gives you as it is and you got to meet it. Yep. And, and it's knocked me on my ass plenty of times in my life. And when it came to building community, um, what, what took place, like I started to build some kind of community, but more of, of a connection following with my music where when people would hear my music, they would vibe with it and we start to come to come together over it. But when it came to the, what first started was the light beings before sacred suns for me was the light beings. And, how that started was as I was sharing and, and not just sharing, but when I started applying these things in my life, my life changed. I, like everything about who I was, what I was doing and people noticed and they were like, what are you doing? Right? Like, I get this pill. Yeah, exactly. It's like, because <laughs> I remember you being one way and this is happening now. What's, what's happening? And I just kept sharing and that kind of slowly or uh, talk about organic, same thing with everything else. I, I slowly be, started becoming more of a, counselor and an advisor and, and guide. Mm -hmm. And then one of the things I kept hearing from everyone was, um, I love talking to you about this stuff because I have no one else I can talk to. My friends think I'm crazy. My family thinks I'm crazy. And I was like, well, I know that position. So yeah, I, yeah. I said, you know, it would be dope to create something where people can come together and know that they're not crazy and they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And I remember having this conversation with, with my buddy, Michael, in his, his um, is in Miami in his condo. And we were just talking about different spiritual things. And I said, man, I think I'm gonna start a group. I think I'm gonna start like bringing people together over this. And, yeah. and we both kind of chatted back and forth about it. And then I don't know how serious he was, but I was very serious. And so it, I ended up like, like going with it. And I remember the final straw was I had a dream mm -hmm. and in the dream, this being appeared and was like, so are you gonna start this group or not? You know, you've been feeling the call and I go, Yes. And then I went in my head with it and I was like, yeah, but I have to figure out how it's going to look and this and that. And what about this and that? And then, and then the being in my dream was like, hey, shut the fuck up and just do it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just what it said. And so then, and literally after that statement, I woke out of my sleep. Yeah. It was like three something in the morning yeah. and I just emailed everyone I knew. And I said, hey, starting a, a, a gathering for a group the last Wednesday of every month. Um, starting January 25th, that Wednesday, come, come join me. We'll meditate. I'll talk about these insights and offer guidance, that and that. And I, and I was sitting with what to call it. And then the name that came through was call it a gathering of light beings. And I said, okay, gather light beings. It is. Okay. And, and that's what started it. And, and so that oh. first one, I think like 30 some people came and, and it just, and that sparked it and it became this thing and slowly little by little, cause I didn't even know what it was going to be initially. But I just started sharing these things. And then while I was sharing, one of the things that started standing out to me was people were asking questions about the practical application of it. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I got a same thing, structure. I have to figure out a structure mm -hmm. to hold these things in that could give people practical application. And that became the next journey of this, of, and this is how creatorhood formed, was 
how do I take these multidimensional concepts that I'm tapping into that I can convey and channel so easily mm-hmm. and that I've applied to my life? How can I actually engineer, reverse engineer that to break that down on how this is happening? And that's the journey I went on for years of, of designing it that later became known as creatorhood. And, and as we were gathering and meeting, it really started becoming like a community. I started to create this directory where I would get everyone's contact and what they do and, and start getting people to connect with each other. So people have more people to interact with in this lens. And, and it really became this beautiful container, um, for people to explore everything about themselves where nothing was out of bounds and whatever you, whatever you curiosity have, whatever you were struggling with, whatever thing you were tapping into, if there's one place you can come and get guidance with it and not be judged by it, it's here with me, let's go. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And so there was there anything multidimensional, spiritual related and, and like life embodiment wise, just, I could, I had an answer for it, insights for it. And we just started molding. And then we started doing like camping trips and, and mm-hmm. the festival trips and, and uh, field trips and movie nights and potlucks. And it really started forming a community and that, and then when I, I, I started getting bigger opportunities with acting and I started traveling back and forth, mm-hmm. um, whenever I was gone, the energy didn't hold because no one else was holding it mm-hmm. without me. And mm-hmm. I, and that's, and then that was one of those moments where I was like, yeah. oh, something's missing. Mm-hmm. And I said, because this community's, I want it to be something that's beyond me, which means I have to start making a structure to it that it can mm-hmm. hold. And then people can start coming into roles and it can start becoming something. And that was one of those things that sparked that. And that's when what brought the light beings to life, you know, in that sense. And now we have, I have organized as a ministry and a community. So the ministry is like the steward of creatorhood. It holds, you know, the practice and based on the practice. Mm -hmm. And then we have the community of everyone coming together. And and, uh, the next stage of this will be getting an actual, because I've always used like my house or different venues, but now I want to get our first activation temple. So we have a centralized location that everyone can can come to. And then we'll start having those pop up all over the world. Um, And with with Sacred Sons, what, what came about with that was, um when in the course of the light beings i used to do these events um with a, a partner i was doing uh, at one point for two years we did these masculine and feminine events where they would be a, a men's circle women's circle then an integration circle all in the same event mm-hmm. that i would run and and when we would do them um it sparked this you could see people wanting to explore more of this like the different dynamics of men and women and so then I started to do these things called vulnerability circles. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring, what I would do is have like men in the center and women on the outer and then women in the center and then the outer and prompt different questions, different struggles so that people can understand how much we relate to each other, even though there's certain specific differences that are also mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. And so as a way to give people a more transparent lens of each other. And then I started doing like some women's circles and then men men's work. And now we get invited to women's circles to share and offer guidance. And through that, um, the the same girl I was dating at the time when we did those men and women women's events connected me with um Aber, who was one of the three founders of sacred sons and i so i met him and he was telling me what they were thinking about doing and getting ready to start and we were talking about how could i get involved initially and and so right when they were because i was telling them how i did some you know men's work and women's work stuff and then the light beings in the practice and they had an event the first convergence and um but I was already facilitating an event in South Carolina that same weekend. So I didn't go to the very first one, but mm-hmm. it was clear that I was like, what you guys are on, I'm with you. And, and so how I ended up becoming a leader in it and a pillar facilitator was after they did that event, they, they recognized, okay, we have something. So how do we start to build and bring all these guys together to really build this? And um, they first brought me in as one of the 
um, facilitators and we started doing it as an online coaching thing for men yeah. and we would build on the convergence as a bigger event um, and then started to understand this is going to be building a community of men in this way of life and and to guide them for greater embodiment and how to forge all these different men's groups around the world together and that's what started the the events we started to do and build on that um and so now we're like we're navigating the space of because it grew so fast of how do you then how do we structure the community properly to really hold this and that's kind of the journey we're on now with it and building a, a solid like you know essence of structure to maintain between the events and that's what prompted these things it was just organic it, it was this interesting thing of when I think about it, as you asked the question, starting the light beings was this inner calling, right? Mm -hmm. Because I could tell it was necessary. And then the reflection that was happening outside of me of people feeling like they were on their own yeah. and me wanting to be like, well, I'm not gonna let y'all just live in that belief. So let's bring them together. Mm -hmm. And in, in the sacred sons, it was a clear calling as well, because when we all started to come together in it and the events start happening, the, the surge of amounts of men that came pouring into it just kept growing where the event went from the first one was like 75 to then 113 to then 250 to then 400. It was like, mm -hmm. we just watched it flood in. So it was that one of those things that you could feel the energy alive and men wanting something that was offering greater guidance to both meet themselves emotionally and get guidance and greater leadership and embodiment and what that means. And it was, so these things were that, that natural organic call and in a way that recognized that part of this work is twofold. The, the ways that we can meet ourselves as individuals and the way that we can be supported and held and encouraged as a, as a group. And that to me is the optimization of life, right? That's synergy. And that's how everything eventually is to be designed so that we can honor the sovereign space of us and live in the connection of community. And there's no way around that for us to have a full comprehensive life. Both aspects are to be honored, acknowledged and danced with together in that sense. Amen. <laughs> because we have slowly come to an end one last question I could pull it out for you but you know it um, <laughs> the three biggest differences what makes the difference in between the starving artist and the successful entrepreneur in your experience mm. or perspective I love that the three things that makes the difference Yeah, I love that um, I'll tell you what Three things that makes the difference between a starving, honest artist and a successful entrepreneur. Um, I would say mindset first and foremost. Most people that I watch that I know either as just entrepreneurs that get into that space of artistry or are dope entrepreneurs, they already know there's going to be edges you meet, there's going to be struggle, and some things may take longer, but they're very clear and the energy they move with is this will be big. What I find with some of the starting artists era in that space and think about my own journey with it. Mm -hmm. And even when with some of the actors I knew when I was booking a lot and some of them were struggling, I would just hear them talk. I would hear the stories, right? Of like, oh man, but you know, it's so hard and maybe I'll get this, maybe I won't. And I never went in with that mentality, right? That's, it's that talk, it's that, that mindset and that belief of like, I got to struggle or I always have to be prepared for the, the disappointment. And for me, seeing that, it was like, no wonder you go through that cycle, right? And and for me, I, I just had fun with it. It was, I loved auditions, whether I booked it or not, I loved it. Going there and playing around for a little bit, being on set, I loved it. I would I would be in, in castings with other people and, and if someone was struggling with their delivering their lines, I would help them with it. And people were like, why are you helping them if you guys are going for the same role? I was like, because there's enough for everybody. Like, I'm not tripping. 
Mm. Right. And I remember being being based in Florida, but then getting flown out to L.A. to audition mm. for something. And I'm in the casting in L.A. vibing, right, like getting my lines down and doing this stuff. And then I'm I'm talking to a couple of people and seeing they're, they're, they're struggling with something and helping them. And you all the other looking at me like it was a dude's problem. Right. Like like it, everyone. It was just <laughs> the competitive edge of people. And I said, yeah, what, what does it matter with you? You know, it was like it was like that fullness in me of life. Right. Like live live it from the love and you'll be fascinated at what comes from that and but when you a automatically think it has to be a struggle or or you have to suffer it you will and you don't have to but you will if that's how you're going to go in with it and to to know that there's something more and that you don't just have to suffer life it changes it changes the approach in the game and but it is catching that mindset because when there are times where things may be a little tight and it may be a little struggle, but seeing that as the opportunity of forging and developing necessary muscles, not another reason to complain, another reason to, to want about the state of the world, right? Yeah, and so that difference of, of that struggle is that mindset, right? The, the recognition of I'm actually capable of tapping into more in every moment. And no matter what I'm faced with, no matter the circumstance, somewhere in there is the insight inviting me into more of me. And I'm and wherever that is, I will find it. And if I'm too busy judging the experience, I'll, I'll block it from my vision, right? And so that to me was the key, especially early on. And that, that makes a huge difference. Like that would close a canyon sized gap in the experience for artists coming up that still are looking to build something for themselves is that that mindset and that that heart space you know absolutely, absolutely. oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. because, no because it's for me like before you come to two or three but it's like it's maybe triggering but in the end what you describe is the difference between victimhood and creatorhood it's the only that? thing do you want to be in victim and that? judging everything on the outside or are you taking responsibility and do for it, it like, really it's is. this thing right yep. exactly <laughs> That's one of the five perspective shifts in the practice is victimhood to creatorhood is recognizing yeah. that if you're going to sit here and gripe about the world and do nothing about it, then you're living in the belief that you're at the whim of it all, yeah. no matter the intensity. But if you recognize you always have a choice at your disposal, you recognize you actually have a say in your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. it's, and it's so vital. And then the other difference to that is something we talked about at the beginning, yeah. right? Which is the mindset of I'm going to gain as much wisdom and, and insight about this as possible that even if i don't do the formal things that people think i ought to yeah i'm willing to learn everything i have to learn tap into what i have to tap into and and do develop myself to be all that that i can be and i think that's the other difference too where where some people will just they just they, that laziness or they'll talk themselves into not doing things and anyone who's and I've, I've seen that from everything even from playing sports all my life anyone who's willing to do more and go further is the one who usually will yep. you know what yep. i mean it's that simple and people that are staying going through the same motions it's usually because they're 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 living the baseline not taking raising the baseline to something greater yep. and that's a huge difference between thriving as an entrepreneur and artist and not you know yeah <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much. Thank you so much for all your sharing, for your experience, for your life moments. And I think everyone should listen to it again in case they don't have paper with them. They should <laughs> and write everything down to not forget what you share. Thank you for your wisdom, for your time, and for your generosity. It's such an honor. Thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it.
Thank you.